Hello and welcome to Employment Talk. We're here to discuss the HR issues affecting you and keep you up to date with the latest employment law news. I'm Glenn Hayes, National Head of Employment Law at Erwin Mitchell. Hi, and I'm Jo Mosley. I am a support lawyer at Erwin Mitchell. I write our blogs, our newsletters and keep the team and our clients up to date on what's happening in the world of employment law and HR. The sun's shining. We're yes. heading towards the coronation bank holiday yep. um, when it's about to absolutely hammer it down, so I'm told. <laughs> And I've hired a yurt in a field. Um, Have you? What we, yeah, yeah. I'm going away for a, a a big weekend away with my two nippers and my best mate and their their kids. Which ironically, they look after my children, so they do make life easier. Yeah. But the idea of spending it in a field uh, when it's hammering down is not is not filling me with uh, great expectations. So I'm no. hoping you're going to cheer me up today. <laughs> well, I'll do my best. Twenty four hours of of you know, 48 hours of dominoes or Uno for two days solid. Well, it probably beats putting on the television and watching wall-to-wall coverage yeah, about the correlation and who's wearing what. And yeah, yeah, me too. So what are we chatting about today? Well, one of our listeners asked us to talk about the employment issues around social media. So social media used by their employees. And okay. You'll remember, of course, the huge hoo-ha a couple of months ago after Gary Lineker tweeted in critical terms about the government's immigration policy. Do you remember what he said? Well, didn't he say it was cruel and it was it was similar to what the Germans did in the 1930s and all yeah. of that stuff? It was, yeah. I mean, we don't obviously all enjoy the high profile that Gary Lineker has. My mate lives around the corner from him and he couldn't get out of his house. Um so, yeah, it was a, a huge hoo-ha, wasn't it, that got him suspended? Yes, yeah. And the BBC, of course, suspended him because it's, they said he had contravened its rules on impartiality and massive public backlash. BBC sports programmes were taken off the air. I think colleagues had sort of um, rose up in solidarity and said, right, sort this out or we're not making those programmes. And he was eventually reinstated. Well, And let's hope we never have to watch Match of the Day again without any commentary on it because it was absolutely dreadful oh is that what they did yeah yeah ah well the issue of course was about what he was and wasn't allowed to say on his own twitter platform whilst also working for the bbc and i thought that if we put this in a wider context it would be helpful to go through some of the legal issues that employers have to consider before taking action against a member of staff who says something that they don't agree with on social media for example yeah, it's a real um, it's a real thorny issue, I think. Yeah, particularly these days. I mean, we're practically glued to our phones, aren't we? Well, yeah, both, you know, when people come home from work, but in some cases whilst they're at work. So it's um, yeah, it's definitely a big, big thing. Mm. In- interestingly, I did, a, I did a talk the other day at a health and well-being conference. It wasn't anything to do with um, social media, but one of the one of the questions I got asked, Joe, was about people who were gambling during work's time and you know what you know whether an employer with people working from home will be able to spot those sort of signs really and you know mm. it was ironically it was the week that the Chelton festival was on and i said i had you know for all i knew i could have had 80 people in our employment team across the country with a phone next to them personal phone that is you know gambling on cheltenham and you know win and lose and whatever and uh, you know you just wouldn't know that's the problem so no no you don't no There's loads of interesting cases on this topic, Glenn. So I'm going to throw a few quiz questions in. So you need to be prepared for that. But before we start, can I ask you whether you're on social media? I am. So I'm on um, 
I'm on LinkedIn, which is purely for work purposes, but it's a good way of obviously disseminating all of our bulletins, all of our press releases, all of those things so that we keep our uh, clients and prospective clients up to date. I'm on Facebook privately, albeit I don't use it very often. I'm more, I probably look at other people's posts rather than do much around my own. So I went yeah. on holiday recently and I put a couple of pictures of us on a camel or whatever, but that's that's about my limit. I'm not sort of one of these people that seem to be on it all the time or whatever. And then I do have an Instagram account, but I don't really use it. I, I, I never put anything on it myself. I just look at other people's stuff. But And then <laughs> there's lots of others in there, like, you know, all these ones that delete and I, I'm not on any of those. So it's mainly LinkedIn for me. And occasionally I, I use Twitter for work, obviously, as well. So. Yeah. So you wouldn't say that you post anything that's considered to be controversial, apart from perhaps which football team you support? Is the football team I support controversial? I don't Just... know. Who do you support? <laughs> oh, 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 I don't know. Man United, sadly. Um, oh, right. OK. okay. I, look, I, the stuff I put on Twitter and LinkedIn is, is all, with the odd exception, work-related. So it, sometimes I'll put some social stuff on there, like if I'm raising money for charity or... It, you know, if one of my sports teams has done particularly well, but I am definitely not in the realms of putting anything on that's controversial. Okay, so before we go down that rabbit hole, let's focus on the legal issues. And one of the things that sometimes causes confusion is to what extent employers can take action against their staff for something that they've either done or said and then posted on social media. Can we start by me asking you, does it matter? when they post it, so whether they do it inside or outside of working hours, and whether they use work equipment to do so or their own phone? Look, it's a, it's a really interesting question, that, and I, I, I agree with you. It does confuse a lot of people who assume they can do whatever they like outside of work mm. and if, if they're using their own devices. So I think there's a few things to consider, really. So employers can control what the staff do when they're at work and how they use company equipment. So that's the starting point and probably less controversial point. So for example, they can state that staff can't use their equipment for non-company business. No, I don't think many employers do that in fairness. I think they allow a certain amount of tolerance on, you know, so websites will be a a good example, but also social media providing it doesn't interfere with the, with the work day. Obviously employers can block social media sites and, and quite a lot of them do on their own equipment and monitor them to ensure that staff are complying with the rules. So for example, I've got a I've got a WhatsApp account for personal stuff, which I use literally all the time for corresponding with mates, family, whatever. My brother's on the other side of the world, so that's a good way of corresponding with him and his family. And but I've also got a works WhatsApp account. So yeah. on my works uh, phone which I use for, well, in these days now, we use it in tribunals for, you know, getting instructions from people when the tribunals are remote, for example, using the cloud video platform system. So, mm-hmm. you know, we d- and, and for corresponding with some clients who, you know, it's a it's a method of communication with them. Yeah. Um, but some, some staff, particularly those in sort of, you know, manufacturing type sectors, insist that staff have got to leave the personal phones in the lockers. And if and that you can't use them during working hours. And if there's rules that around that, that's perfectly reasonable in my view to do that, you know, safer in emergencies and stuff. And, you know, staff can, uh, employers can definitely insist upon that, but it's not not limited to using work equipment in work time, in my view. 
So I think employers can impose rules about what they can say in their in their own time on their own devices as well. So, for mm. example, a lot of employers might say, look, you can't harass other members of staff. You can't badmouth the company. You, sh- you shouldn't do anything that's likely to cause reputational damage. I think it's so easy these days because, you know, as I say, we're all used to using our, our phones to communicate really quickly. And I'm not sure that people necessarily take enough time to think about what they're doing, particularly if they're criticising somebody at work or a customer or something like that, because it's so easy to do it. They don't necessarily think first before responding. So you're sort of responding in the heat of anger almost, which is always the worst thing you can do in almost any circumstance. Yeah. Well, interestingly, I saw, ironically, on social media, a picture of a mug last week that said, uh, dance like nobody else is watching. And then, you know, which is a well-known phrase. And then it said, write an email like it's read out in tribunal. So I thought that was quite good, really. And that was on social media. That was on social media. So, you know, it does, does, people are less formal in, well, massively less formal in the style, aren't they? And I think people are more inclined to think that it's okay because... It, it you know other people are doing the same thing and not not think about how it might reflect on the employer for example yeah thank you so if we stick to conduct during the workplace for a minute you mentioned that organizations can monitor what their staff are looking at i presume they need to inform their staff about that first yeah so if they're going to monitor what the staff are accessing via computers and phones and stuff you need to tell them first and explain why you're doing it. So you should have a policy really that sets out how the staff can use the company systems. You should make it clear that there's no expectation of privacy. And that's massively important because there's, I don't know whether these are coming up in your quiz, Joe, but there's there's a privacy argument around some of this stuff. And if you make it clear that there is no expectation of privacy, then it's difficult to raise that privacy argument in the, in that context. Yeah. And obviously it throws up a massive GDPR issue as well. So you need to identify the legal basis on which you're relying upon to carry out that monitoring. So, it, you know, it is really important to get that policy in place. You, you know, we wind the, if you wind the clock back five, six years, I don't think many employees had a social media policy. They all had disciplinary policies and grievances, but now I think everybody's got one and they've got one for a very good reason. And if we're doing a handbook review, you know, that's that's something that we would always be looking out for. You know, have you got them? Does it say the right things? Yeah. Does it allow the employer to do certain things and take action if somebody breaches it? So we don't see that many cases anymore about employees who've been sacked for misusing work equipment. And I think they're much more likely to use their own phones to post on their own social media accounts. You mentioned, Glenn, that employers can take action against staff if they say something that causes reputational damage. Can you expand on that a bit, please? For example, do they have to prove that something that their employee has said has in fact caused reputational damage? Well, this is where the wording of the social media policy becomes important in my view. If it says that it's caused reputational damage, an employer, if dismissing somebody for that on that basis, is going to have to prove that mm-hmm. it has in fact done that. Yeah. Okay, so I think that's counterproductive, really, because, you know, what, what you really need to say, really, or should say, is that it could cause reputational damage. So it's a theoretical issue rather than a definitive one. Yeah. So, you know, and it's counterproductive anyway, because you might have to reveal what's been said to those customers and clients who might otherwise be unaware. So you don't you don't want to put wash your dirty laundry in front of those people if you don't have to. So I yeah. think that could cause reputational damage point gives employers a bit more wriggle room. I think employers should be reasonable in terms of the sanctions that they impose. 
Well, there's obviously things from warnings to right the way up to dismissal without notice. So there are circumstances where employers can dismiss somebody for breaching a social media policy. But I think you do need to take a step back and consider things like, you know, the circumstances in which the post has been made, the nature of the work that the individual does, their role in the organisation. So obviously the greater responsibility and certain industries, the greater risk of harm. So, you know, you asked me if I had social media accounts really, and I sort of said to you, you know, what my, what I did with them, you know, I, I am acutely aware that I am, you know, a partner in a national law firm, which employs over 3000 people, got a team of 80 in the employment team, you know, people follow us on LinkedIn and 6,000 followers or whatever it is, you know, people will read the stuff that we write, you know, that's what, that's why we write it. So, you know, I, I think if I start putting something on there that's, you know, offensive to people, then, you know, I think my employer is entitled to take notice of that and do something about it, quite frankly. And yeah. the, the the risk to certain reputations are, are different depending on the types of work that you do. So we're obviously in the legal sector, but if you're in the, you know, if you looked after children, for example, and you made offensive remarks about children, or if you were a teacher, mm. for example, doing something similar, you, you know, you can see how it, it can escalate into something wider. And it, and it often does, you know, people, there are cases involving teachers, for example, where they they put something on, you know, face. it tends to be Facebook and Twitter, really. And, you know, parents get hold of it. And then all of a sudden there's a huge storm whipped up and there's pressure on the school to to do something about it. You know, and in some cases, pressure to dismiss the individual concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's quite a lot to unpick there. So I think now might be a good opportunity to look at a couple of cases and to test your knowledge. OK. Are you ready? As, as I'll ever be. <laughs> I love your nervous. enthusiasm I'm around always, quizzes. I'm always nervous about the quiz because if I get it wrong, I look a bit daft. But the problem is with with all of these cases, particularly with the social media ones, is that some of them go the wrong way to what you'd expect. And yeah. they're very particular on the facts. But yeah, go yeah. on. I'll give it a go. Right. OK. Well, question one, then an employee posts this on his Facebook page and I'm quoting now. Daddy, what did you do at work today? Same as every other day, printing sodding labels and putting them into plastic sleeves. Cheers, hashtag, and then he put the name of his employer. You managed to turn me into a person that enjoyed my job into one who is exhausted and depressed and despises it. And all whilst watching a bunch of money-hungry mechanics rake it in each day. Okay? Nice. Okay. The employer dismisses him. Um, They say that citing the employer's name was inflammatory and could have brought the company into disrepute. He argued that he'd been unfairly dismissed and I wonder whether you think he won or not. I think it'll turn on whether they've got a decent social media policy as per the could cause reputational damage point. I'm presuming you're not going to tell me whether they did or they didn't. No, I can tell you that. There there is a policy in place. And that says that posting about the company in derogatory terms would constitute gross misconduct for bringing the company into disrepute or misusing social media. Well, in theory, yes, then. My only reticence about that answer really is about, does that really make me think that that, whatever that garage was or mechanics firm was, that, do I think any law of them? I'm not sure I do, but I'm going to say that yes, it was a fair dismissal. 
you're right, it was a fair dismissal. Um, but I, I, yeah, um, I agree with you, though. And I think when we look at the next quiz question, it sort of brings to the fore, as you say, quite how difficult it sometimes is to call these cases correctly. So the next one then, this is an employee who worked at Argos and she liked a tweet made by an ex-employee who'd said that their manager was, and I'm quoting, as much good as a chocolate teapot. That's one of my husband's favourite expressions. Yeah, I like that one. I, yeah. Chocolate fire guard for me though. <laughs> yeah, same sort of principle. Yeah, yeah. Not only did she like that tweet, she also replied to it and she said that this had been the worst year in her 15 years of service and that she was so happy that her colleague had escaped. She was called to a disciplinary hearing. She apologised both to the people that were hearing the disciplinary hearing and to the manager themselves. And she said that she wouldn't do it again. But Argos decided to dismiss her anyway. Before you ask, there was a policy in place which set out the conduct that Argos expected its staff to follow when they were on social media. And it also had the usual anti-harassment and policy. Well, 15 years service, right? Yes. So she argued she'd been unfairly dismissed. Do you think she won? If she did, she would have had a massive reduction for contributory fault. I know that much. Um, I'm going to say that she just sneaked home. The, 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 the length of service worries me there. And the fact that she was she, she apologised immediately and agreed to take it down. So I'm going to say that she just sneaked it past the tribunal. She did win. She did win. The tribunal said that no reasonable employer would have concluded that her comments amounted to gross misconduct. They said they weren't serious enough to amount to bullying and harassment in breach of the social networking policy and that it was no more than workplace gossip or routine criticism of an employer. I'm People not sure. It is, right? Yeah, but I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that. Yeah. You know, that you're identifying an individual, aren't you? And you're doing it in a public forum. Yeah, I think what's interesting is the is the way in which they've dealt with that case. So they've, they've dealt with it on a basis of bullying and harassment of the individual in question. Whereas if they dealt with it on the basis of the damage to the reputation of the organisation, that that might have been mm. a better avenue for the employer mm. might have produced a, a result that was harder to challenge. Yeah, that's true. But I think what those two cases and they're obviously contrasting cases, what they demonstrate are the points that you made earlier. And that's context is everything. So you might have yeah, something yeah. in your policy, for example, but you still have got to act reasonably. And I'm not I'm not convinced it's that easy to reconcile those two decisions. No, I think that's a fair comment. But I, I do think that you do have to think about how you frame the allegation. Yeah. Because the, you, that individual has been sacked very specifically for one thing. Whereas, ironically, I think they probably would have been, the employer would have been better placed to do it under framing the allegation slightly differently and might have got a better outcome. Should have come to Owen Mitchell, shouldn't they? Well, yeah, but <laughs> it's a <laughs> But like I say, I think I think that person would have had a fairly significant reduction to the the level of damages that were awarded by virtue of the fact that they've clearly contributed to their own downfall. Yeah, I, d I don't know about that. I must admit, yeah, yeah. I haven't read the well, entire I'd be, case. I'd be very surprised if they haven't, if they didn't. Okay, 
So in terms of reputational damage, whether that's the potential to, for your reputation to be damaged or actual damage, would you recommend that employers ask staff to put some sort of disclaimer on their profiles which say that their views are their own and not to mention their employer at all? Yeah, look, I think that's really sensible. So, you know, I've got that on mind, for example, on the Twitter stuff, but it, it what it doesn't give you, though, is as no, an employee. No, you haven't. You haven't. On your, on your Twitter, because I looked, your Twitter profile identifies you as a partner on uh, at Owen Mitchell. Mine doesn't. Mine doesn't say anything about the organisation at all, but yours definitely does. Yeah, no, that's fine. But it, does it does it say something about all views being my own? That it does, yes. Yeah. All uh, right. So I've done half of what you said then. But yeah. I mean, either way, it doesn't give a get out of jail free card for employees, particularly if they've got a high profile. So if you, we started off this conversation talking about Gary Lineker, and there's no mention of the BBC, I don't think, on his Twitter profile. No, so, you know, but everybody knows who he works for and he's, there's still a reputational risk there. You know, as I said, my, mine, well, you said mine identifies me as a partner. I am. That's absolutely fine. But I, I only really post work related stuff. If anybody wants to pull me up on being a, you know, a white Avon rugby league fan and I post the occasional comment when they win, you know, <laughs> but I can't imagine I'll have too many people that are bothered, quite frankly. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be surprised on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You do you do open yourself up to, to I think where this really comes out though, Joe, and where I've seen it in cases and and disciplinaries is what you sometimes get is you certainly in certain types of industries, you get people who comment on things via Twitter because it's a public forum that mm. is instantly available to, to everybody that's prepared to look. And fine, but the issue is when people start responding back. And, yeah. and I think that's when employees tend to get themselves into trouble. And in theory, they should rise above certain things. And, and there are legal channels in order to take things down. So, you know, we've acted for a company, for example. This is the Royal We mine, not not me personally, the, the early Mitchell We, where people have made derogatory comments about one of our clients and we've forced them to take it down because they weren't true. Mm. And people, you know, deliberately set up sites to target certain companies and stuff but i think where people get into bother is where they where they comment back and the, the comment back is inappropriate or just as inappropriate as the comment that was made and that that can yeah. get people in trouble in my view yeah and i think the thing about twitter it seems to encourage people to make these definitive statements about things that they've got absolutely no idea about you're and right Joe, aren't you <laughs> <laughs> and then to double down when they're challenged. Yeah, yeah. But anyway. Okay. So you mentioned that employers need to be alive to the issue that employees could harass each other outside of work via social media. Can I ask, is that because employers could be held to be legally liable for those comments? Well, I think em employers wouldn't usually be liable, vicariously liable for the conduct between staff outside of work or for work related things that happen after work related events but it doesn't mean they can ignore it so you know cyber bullying and harassment you you know if it exists then uh, between a couple of people or whatever then it can have a knock-on effect on the workplace relationship and you can't just ignore that as an employer so yeah you, you have to deal with it and you do you do see things that spill over from work uh, particularly where people are say friends on facebook and there might be this you know ongoing matter um, that occurs outside of work that <laughs> I think nine out of 10 employers would want to wash their hands off, but I don't think they can. Mm -hmm. So it, it might be that you, 
and discipline staff for that type of conduct. So the the best way to deal with it, in my view, is to make it clear to staff that they've got to treat people with you know respect, you know the way that they would want to be treated, and do some proper diversity and equality treatment because you know it, it's really important to spell out that they have to behave appropriately to appropriately towards each other even outside work and spell out the consequences of not doing so. And I, I do think this is a big issue and, I, and I've seen it happen many times before where people, you know, something happens in work and then outside of work, there's something that says, you know, you know, you're a whatever and, you know, I'm going to get you or whatever. And there's a, mm. there's a duty to look after the staff under health and safety legislation. You know, obviously there's discrimination laws as well that you need to be aware of. And, and equally there's, you know, if you don't deal with stuff and you are, even if you're not legally responsible for those discriminatory comments, you know, it's made on a personal phone, it's outside of work or whatever, then, uh, you know, you could end up with a constructive dismissal case for failing to protect that individual. And during COVID, if you if you remember, we all set up WhatsApp groups between, you know, our teams. It was a really good way of communicating with people when they were at home. You know, I've got one, ironically, it's not on my work phone, it's on my personal phone. You know, we exchange regular messages with each other, mostly about what people are doing or they wish them happy birthday or whatever. But yeah, I, 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 you know, for all I know, there could be another group in my team without me on it, where they, where they could say various things about me. But you know, we <laughs> we we use it in a way that is really light-hearted. We have a bit of banter with each other, but none of that banter would cross the line into something that we wouldn't be happy to say in person, or specifically, none of it goes into the sort of the discriminatory stuff mm. although it is a big issue for employees in fact i'm doing a talk in uh, june on sort of banter in the workplace and when it crosses the line into sort of harassment and what steps that employers can take so you know that's going to be publicized online and it's all going to be done by webinar so that's you know, that would be a really good um good one to, to carry on that conversation further really okay so many people use social media to talk about their own personal beliefs their views on the government, all sorts of stuff. Should employers police these, in your view? Uh, well, as a general rule, no. So what employees say and do in their own time generally is not not none of the employer's business unless it crosses the line in some way. Mm. So you often find out about issues from other members of staff. So the question is then what you do about them. So the rule of thumb really is that inoffensive comments on social networking sites that have been used for personal purposes don't generally justify discipline reaction, even if they've got the potential to upset people who hold deeply opposing views. Um, it just depends on whether it really impacts on what they do for you as an organisation. The yeah. one thing you do see, Joe, as well, um, is you often see people, I was going to use the term grass then, I'm gonna, well, I'll use it anyway, grass on other employees in the context of things like somebody who's off with a bad back for work, yet they're running the Great North Run. Yeah. You know, those types of things. So yeah. what, what you, you find a lot of people who might be so-called friends on Facebook <laughs> will quite <laughs> happily say, I, you know, this person said they were ill, but I saw them doing X, Y and Z, you know. So you, you do, I think you do have to, it does throw up some interesting issues, This I think. You mentioned about the fact that even if you say something that has the potential to upset people, then you aren't, you know, you, you shouldn't necessarily take a, really restrictive view on that there was a really good case that illustrates that a few years ago and that involved a guy who worked for a housing trust and he had his own facebook page and 
on that Facebook page, he said that he disapproved of gay marriage in church. That was it. I think it was at the time where the church were debating that as an issue. Right. There, or his employer found out about it and they demoted him. So he was in a managerial role. They gave him a different role and he took a 40% pay cut as a result of that. So that one comment. He unusually didn't leave, but he instead argued that demoting him was a breach of contract. OK. And what his employers said was that his Facebook profile had said that he worked for the trust. So it identified them as his employer and that his comments had the potential to damage their reputation. And okay. that case had had to be brought in the High Court, right? Because he's still in employment. It was. Yes, yeah. it was. It was caught in the in the high court yeah and what the high court said was that his behavior didn't amount to misconduct and that there was no contractual basis for demoting him and sort of more importantly really in this context they said that no one reading his comments could sensibly think any worse of the trust for having him in a managerial role and when you considered the social context as a whole he wasn't incorrectly promoting his religious or political views and he, he clearly wasn't treating his colleagues with anything other than respect and dignity all he was doing was expressing his own view on a topical issue mm. so I think that very much sort of you know provides a really useful illustration of the, of the points that you were making there yeah well look um there's loads of examples now I think about people who do certain types of jobs that you look at it in first instance you think that's incompatible with the views that they hold but actually you have to dig deeper than that and say does that mean that individual cannot do their job and and i think you know people can button down if you like and they might hold these views but are still able to to do the do the jobs that they're employed to do and i think an employer has to look at that very carefully before deciding that it's incompatible, really. Yeah. Very and limited you, grounds for doing so. Yeah, I mean, and you have a right as an individual, freedom of speech and all that, to express your views. I think the only circumstances in which an employer can really sort of take action against you, if you do it in such a way that you are, you know, harassing other members of staff, for example, or, or you know, making such derogatory or heinous comments if you like that you know they can't ignore them they are so serious well there's the there's the there's the case law on things like people who refuse to do ceremonies for gay marriage there's the there's yes. the wedding cake cases in there so yeah. there's a lot of yeah. examples of this type of stuff definitely yeah okay well let me ask you then about what the court decided in another case so question three of our quiz are you ready okay OK, so this case involved an employee who worked for Apple. And as we know, Apple is an organisation that fiercely protects its image. Mm -hmm. So all staff were told that they had to be extremely careful about how they presented themselves in public via social media channels and that they would be disciplined even if their profiles didn't identify them as working for Apple. OK. okay. And it also had a separate policy which said that employees shouldn't comment about its products on their personal social media accounts. So a employee had made a number of posts on his Facebook page complaining about his work and said that 
the Apple products were not working properly. And again, he was informed upon, if you like, by a colleague. So a colleague um, notified his manager. They investigated what he'd said and they dismissed him for gross misconduct. We call him grasses, he, Joe. We call him grasses. Yes, grasses. What did I say? <laughs> no, you said they informed them. I was being more colloquial. <laughs> <laughs> um, he argued that he had been unfairly dismissed. Do you think he won? Well, there's a very direct instruction there that he's breached. So I think that he lost. You're right, he did. The tribunal said that his employer were entitled to treat those comments as constituting gross misconduct. It had a clear policy in place and the employee was aware of it. So, yeah, well, yeah, so I, I think th that's three out of three. Well, there's no think about it, Joe. That is three out of three. But I think the, <laughs> the more the clearer the instruction and setting out the consequences for breach, the more chance an employer has of it being a tribunal finding in the favour, in my view. Yeah, yeah. OK, well, let's finish up because we're running out of time now by me asking you whether it's OK for employers to trawl the Internet for information about a job candidate before deciding whether to shortlist them. Look, I, I think this used to happen a lot. So recruitment companies were, were, were at the forefront of all of this. So doing searches on social media profiles, Facebook in particular. OK, and I think there wasn't there that the youth, the, the first UK crime commissioner um, was a week before her appointment. Yeah, she was um, a young woman, wasn't she? Yeah, and it sort of rumours circulate that she made racist and homophobic comments on Twitter and her seeming to support violence and you know, effectively, and um, that led to a resignation, didn't it? And if the police force had sort of done its homework first, they might have discovered that individual probably wasn't suitable for the job, so saved themselves a lot of hassle. So in theory, look, if you're prepared to put things on social media, you've got to take the risk that people see them and do something about it. Obviously, you've got to, um, you know, there might be consequences for that, but you, there are a few things employers need to think about, really. So... You know, then that data protection wise, they need a legal ground for processing that. It might be in the legitimate interest to find out if there's anything in the background that, that would prevent that person from doing the job. You know, but is it necessary for the job role? So going back to that point about people's views being incompatible, you know, some people's views you might not like, you might not be the same as your own, but is it necessary for the job role that they need to not hold a certain view or have a certain view? You know, look at the difference between social and business course you know everybody's entitled to let their hair down a bit from time to time but really critically you know you might want to inform the candidates that you're going to do that uh, so that they're aware and obviously don't keep the information for any longer than is necessary so it's quite a few things to think about there I think a lot of people do do those checks quite frankly look particularly to see whether the CV matches up with the work history on LinkedIn or what you know whatever it is mm. Facebook tends to be the you know stuff and people are more inclined to put things on Facebook, you know, drunken nights out, whatever. And you need to be careful, I think, depending yeah. on what job you're in and, you know, what's on there, really. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that the government changed the Keeping Children Safe in Education guidance last year and put a duty on schools and colleges to actually look at or certainly consider carrying out social media checks oh. on 
candidates as part of their due diligence. And there was a lot of discussion at that point about how far schools and colleges had to go in order to sort of see if there was anything untoward on there. And, you know, some people took the view that they had to do a real deep dive into their Twitter and any other sort of social post that they'd done. Others suggested, and this was the view that we took actually after thinking about it, was that you could just simply put their name into a Google search and just see what came up. And, you know, that should be enough in order to highlight anything that suggested that the person might be might not be suitable for the job. Yeah. You got any skeletons in your closet, Joe? I'm sure I've got plenty, but I'm not going to divulge are they on, today. Are they on, on social media? <laughs> I'm pretty good on social media, actually. I, I'm a bit like you. I've got Facebook, but I rarely post anything. I don't like, I mean, the thing for me is I don't like the sort of boasting elements of Facebook. You know, people sort of present themselves in a certain way. I, yeah, that's not really me. No, right. I, 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 my favourite social media is Twitter. But again, I'm more of a consumer of Twitter. I read a lot on Twitter rather than post. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Well, well given our it. conversation last week about you know, <laughs> sacking me for gross misconduct, I'm you know very mindful of what I say. I don't think they were quite the words I used, but um, fair enough. <laughs> well. That's it for today. If you want to hear more about the latest employment law updates alongside expert commentary, then tune in a fortnight. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye.